When I was a kid, the church I was a part of put on a production of Joseph and the Amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I remember seeing it when they performed uh, at our church. I remember seeing it again or parts of it when they performed different scenes for our VBS the following summer. And then I remember listening to the soundtrack on repeat for months following all of this. Have you ever seen this musical or just heard the music from it? It's great, right? I mean, not only is the music great, the story is great. We love the story of Joseph. There's the, the dreams that he has and the amazing coat that he wears, but ultimately there's his great story of redemption, right? His jealous brothers sell him into slavery, but he rises up to become one of the top managers of the household under his master. And, and then uh, he gets framed and thrown into prison, but ultimately through word of mouth, his great gifts reach Pharaoh's attention, and ultimately he rises to become the top manager of all of Egypt under Pharaoh. Right? This is amazing, and all of this would be a, a really inspiring sort of rags-to-riches kind of story. But the best part of the story comes at the end, when his brothers, who had sold him into slavery, actually come to Egypt in search of food. And the, the dramatic tension when they arrive is so high. You know, what will Joseph do with them now that he's the one in power? Well, once they discover his identity, once they know that, oh, this is the brother that, that we sold into slavery, he's, they're afraid that he is going to make slaves of them. But he tells them not to be afraid. And then there's the great line in Genesis 50, verse 20. He says, even though you intended to do harm to me, God intended it for good. What you meant for evil, God meant for good. Now, unfortunately, this line didn't make it into the musical because it's the whole point of Joseph's long and meandering story. It's ultimately not a story about Joseph and his brothers, but about God's surprising ways of redemption. It is a story about God turning what was meant for harm into a blessing. And as we get to the end of the book of Numbers together. You know, finally near the end of our wilderness journey that we've been on for the last several weeks with Israel. We will see another story that's kind of like this. Last week, we were in Numbers chapter 21, and this week, we'll pick up the story in chapter 22. So if you have your Bible with you, go ahead and open up there. Uh, Numbers 22 is, is where the story begins. In, in Numbers 22, verse 1, the people of Israel reach a place called the Plains of Moab across the Jordan from Jericho. All right? This is their final camping spot before they will enter the Promised Land. This is the place where Moses will deliver his final speech in the book of Deuteronomy. And this is the place where the book of Joshua picks up as they cross the Jordan River toward Jericho, right? So here, at the end of the book of Numbers, they arrive in the plains of Moab and have finally come to the end of their wilderness wandering. And here, the story actually takes kind of a strange turn. 
The main characters in the next few chapters are not the people of Israel, or even Moses, but rather a Moabite king and a pagan sorcerer. So here's what happens, all right? The people of Israel enter the plains of Moab, and the people of Moab see them and are afraid. So Balak, their king, hires Balaam, a well-known sorcerer, to come and curse the people of Israel who've just arrived. All right? So in chapter 2, where we just opened up to, Balak, the king, summons Balaam, the sorcerer, and then there's this uh, amusing story that some of us are familiar with where, you know, as Balaam is on his way to meet Balak, he has some trouble with his donkey who ends up talking to him, right? And then in chapter 23, if you keep on moving, Balaam has arrived and finally begins the work conjuring up a curse for the people of Israel. He tells the king to set up several altars and make several sacrifices, and then he goes off to listen for his oracle. And then when he finally opens up his mouth to speak, instead of a curse, a blessing comes out. Well, the king isn't very happy with this, so, uh, you know, he hasn't gotten what he paid for. So they relocate somewhere else, a little bit closer to the Israelites, and they try again. And so again, they set up several altars and make several sacrifices. And again, Balaam goes and listens for what to say. And when he finally speaks, once more, he speaks a blessing instead of a curse. Well, the king is still not happy with these results, so he tells Balaam to try one more time. And then in chapter 24, we get another of Balaam's oracles. And this third oracle in chapter 24 is the one that I want to focus in on. All right, so let's read starting there. Numbers chapter 21, or sorry, Numbers chapter 24, beginning in verse 1. Hear the word of the Lord. Now, Balaam saw that it pleased the Lord to bless Israel. So he did not go, as at other times, to look for omens, but set his face toward the wilderness. Balaam looked up and saw Israel camping tribe by tribe. And then the Spirit of God came upon him, and he uttered his oracle, saying, The oracle of Balaam, son of Baor, the oracle of the man whose eye is clear. The oracle of one who hears the words of God, who sees the vision of the Almighty, who falls down, but with eyes uncovered. How fair are your tents, O Jacob, your encampments, O Israel, like palm groves that stretch far away, like gardens beside a river, like aloes that the Lord had planted like cedar trees beside the waters. Water shall flow from his buckets, and his seed shall have abundant water. His king shall be higher than Agag. His kingdom shall be exalted. God, who brings him out of Egypt, is like the horns of a wild ox for him. He shall devour the nations that are his foes and break their bones. He shall strike with his arrows. He crouched, he lay down like a lion, and like a lioness, who will rise him up? Blessed is everyone who blesses you, and cursed is everyone who curses you. Then Balak's anger was kindled against Balaam, 
and he struck his hands together. Balak said to Balaam, I summoned you to curse my enemies, but instead you have blessed them these three times. Now be off with you. Go home. I said, I will reward you richly, but the Lord has denied you any reward. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word, and thank you for this story that we reflect on today. Thank you for being a God who blesses in unexpected ways. I pray that as we consider the words of your scripture, that you would sharpen our minds and soften our hearts, that we might know you and love you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So this is an interesting story. Right here at the end of the wilderness journey, right? And what powerful words of promise that Balaam ends up speaking over Israel. So I want to consider all of this together. So here's the plan, right? First, I want to reflect on the story as a whole. Then I want to take a closer look at that prophecy that we just read in particular. And finally, I want to get us into this next week, Holy Week, all right? So let's start by considering this story as a whole, all right? One of the first things I notice as I reflect on this story is that God speaks in unexpected places. God speaks in unexpected places. In chapter 22, God opens up the mouth of Balaam's donkey to speak through her. And in the rest of the story, God is opening up Balaam's mouth, a pagan sorcerer, to speak through him. Right? God speaks in unexpected places. You know, throughout much of Israel's story that we read in Exodus and Leviticus and Numbers here, there's this phrase that occurs over and over again. It's this. The Lord spoke to Moses and said. And it's true that in the life of Israel, God often speaks to and through Moses. But this story... And Numbers 22 through 24 just goes to show that God's speech is not bound to a particular person or through a particular means. God does speak to Moses, but he can also speak through a donkey. And he can also speak through pagan prophets. And this underscores that from the very beginning, God's word is not only for some, but for all. God speaks in unexpected places. And though we, right now, may be in a season of being cut off from the place of the church building, we are not cut off from the voice of God. In the midst of your staying at home for these past two weeks and the next few weeks as well, God still speaks. When you least expect it, God speaks. And so may we have ears to hear him as he speaks to us in the places that we would least expect. Another thing that I notice from the story as a whole is that we can be surprised not only by where God speaks, but also by what God says. In this story, where we expect to find curses, instead, we hear blessings. 
And this is the work of God. The story of Balaam is recounted a few times later on in the Old Testament, and every time it's told the same way. All right, in Deuteronomy chapter 23, verses 4 and 5, it says that Balaam was hired to curse you, yet the Lord your God turned the curse into a blessing for you. And then in Joshua 24, verses 9 and 10, God tells the people, King Balak, and, King Balak invited Balaam to curse you. But I would not listen to Balaam. Therefore, he blessed you. And so I rescued you out of his hand. And then again, in Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 2, it says that Balaam was hired against the Israelites to curse them. And yet our God turned the curse into a blessing. You see, the story is ultimately about the power of God who transforms curses into blessings. This is the same God who took what was meant for evil and made it good. He speaks in unexpected places, and he redeems in unexpected ways. Though this season of disruption feels like a curse, and, and truly sickness, disease, death, isolation, and, and poverty are all part of the curse. Though this season feels like a curse, our invitation in the midst of it is to look for unexpected ways that it might be transformed into a blessing. God turns curses into blessings. He speaks in unexpected places. So now I want to look a little bit more closely at the actual prophecy itself, all right? He's, Balaam spoke not once, not twice, but three times. And each time his words became a bit more powerful and focused. The first time he speaks in chapter 23, verses 7 through 10, instead of a curse, he offers a generic blessing. He says that Israel is set apart and prosperous, Right? And then the second time he speaks, in chapter 23, verses 18 through 24, instead of a curse, he says that the Lord cannot be manipulated by these attempts at sorcery. Right? And then after two strikes, Balak asks Balaam to give it one more try, All right, thinking that well, maybe the third time is the charm. Right? So Balaam speaks once more. In chapter 24, which we read, and again, as we read, instead of a curse, Balaam offers a blessing. But this time, in verse 2, it says that the Spirit of God came upon him, right? And rather than a generic blessing or a word of truth about God, he speaks a specific prophecy. He says, their abundance shall overflow, their kingdom shall be exalted, and their God shall be victorious. Well, it turns out that the third time really is the charm, but not in the way that the king had hoped, right? Instead of a curse on his enemies, there is a prophecy of that king's defeat, a prophecy of Israel's blessing. The king did not get 
what he hired Balaam for. So in verse 11, he refuses payment and sends Balaam off. Now here's something fascinating as we consider this. Though God speaks from the unexpected place of a pagan prophet's mouth, he still speaks his same promises. Nothing that Balaam says is new. His oracle reaffirms the same blessings that God had already spoken before. All of these things that Balaam says in chapter 24 go back to Abraham, to whom God said in Genesis 17, verse 6, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. And even before that, in Genesis 12, he says to Abraham, the one who blesses you, I will bless. The one who curses you, I will curse. Right? These promises of overflowing abundance and an exalted kingdom and blessing go all the way back to the beginning of God's people. And ultimately, these promises speak of victory. God, who is like a strong, wild ox, there is a king who is greater than all other kings. So how is this promise fulfilled? How will this prophecy end up coming about? Well, we could look to the abundant promised land that the people are about to enter, right? Or we could consider the political victories of the nation of Israel and Joshua. Or we could look to the exalted kingdom of David in 1st and 2nd Samuel. But ultimately, even that kingdom becomes divided and falls. Even that land they move into is going to be invaded and the people will be cast out into exile. You see, these things are shadows of that promise. But the real fulfillment will come just as unexpectedly as the words of this prophecy came. You see, God is a God who speaks in unexpected places. He is a God who transforms curses into blessings. And that is what this next week is all about. Today is traditionally Palm Sunday. Right? It's the day that the church around the world tells the story of Jesus' triumphant entry into Jerusalem. The people wave palm branches in the air, shouting, Hosanna, Hosanna. And just like King Balak, when the Israelites entered the plains of Moab, the religious authorities see this and begin to feel kind of threatened. So they say to Jesus, hey, this is not okay. Tell your disciples to stop shouting all of this. But Jesus answers them, I tell you, if they were silent, the stones would shout out. Right? We already saw that God can open the mouth of a donkey. Surely God could also speak through stones. Right? Well, as the week continues on, the religious leaders become increasingly disturbed. And so eventually they begin looking for a way to arrest Jesus and have him killed. So just like Balaam was hired to curse Israel, so the religious leaders bribe Judas to betray Jesus. 
And what follows is a story of betrayal and arrest. There's a mock trial and a hasty crucifixion. Whatever happened to God's promise of abundance? What about the prophecy of an exalted king and a great victory? Can God turn this curse into a blessing? Well, that's the story, isn't it? That's the story of this next week. And it's ironic that a week full of plotting enemies, failing friends, and death has come to be known as Holy Week. You see, the story of this week was meant to be a curse, but it has become the most blessed week in all of the Christian year. So I want to invite you into that story this week. We will be reading portions of it each day in our Lent guide. All right, this is the last week of readings from our Lent booklet here. And we're going to be reading pieces of this story, the story of this final week. And my hope is that as we journey through the story of this week together, we might see just how surprising it really is. As we arrive at the foot of the cross, may we be startled by the surprising words on the Roman centurions of all people's mouths, truly this was the Son of God. And then, as we see the women approach the tomb, may we, like them, meet the God who speaks in unexpected places and transforms curses into blessings. May it be so. Amen.